Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Genesis 22 tonight, I'd like to tell our church where I'm going. That way you know if I take forever on one verse, you know where I'm landing so you're not worried. And uh, I've got to teach my oldest son that. He preached for me this Sunday as I was out of our pulpit. And I think he read the whole book of John. I don't know what was going on in the pulpit while I was gone, but... uh, Don't worry, it's me, not him tonight, all right? So Genesis 22, honestly, thank you, Pastor, so much for this privilege. I did honestly have on my paper these words. You either save the best for last or this is what's left. And uh, you let me know after. No, don't let me know at all. I don't want to know. But thank you. Uh, It's been a good summer for us had the privilege of stepping out for five weeks, five weeks with my family. And uh, we've been here uh, attempting to plant a church in six years, for six years, and got up around Christmas time and told our church, I said, I think I'm at the point of sinning. Haven't stepped away and really just enjoyed a break with my children. And It started off with two weeks. I'm just going to take two weeks off. Then two became three, three became four. Then it was like, why not? Do we have to come back? And five became six, five Sundays. And I share that with you because one of the biggest privileges I have is to be called daddy. Above everything else. I get to be called dad. I believe the number one problem in Los Angeles are fatherless homes. But before you agree, you're actually wrong thinking what you think I think or what you think I just said. What I just said was, in my opinion, the number one uh, uh, problem in Los Angeles are fatherless homes, but it's not lowercase f. The number one problem in Los Angeles, number one problem in America, number one problem in the world are capital F, fatherless homes. I happen to be the head of the home according to the word of God and My children are not without a present, lowercase f, father. But often as a man, my presence isn't necessarily my participation. And so what our families need is not just somebody's presence, but their participation. And when I think about Los Angeles, I think I grew up in Compton. I've got all the stories and all that that I'm not going to waste the time for. But the reality is I believe I'm here today, physically speaking, 
because my physical father wasn't just present, but he participated. My dad had multiple jobs growing up, two, three jobs. And for some reason, he never missed a game. Often, until I was about 12 or so, he coached them. And then when I started beating him, he went ahead and passed the baton. No, I was just kidding. I, I don't think I could beat him still. But my dad wasn't just present. He participated in my life. I had the privilege, and it was a privilege, to grow up in a Christian school. My eighth grade year specifically was horrific. Because at the end of my seventh grade year, my mom was really sick in and out of the hospital. One particular year, she was in the hospital about 250 days or more. And dad just did all he could. But at the end of seventh grade, he said, son, I'm going to have to pull you out of the Christian school. And I was an idiot. I was a punk. And I was like, yes, get me out of here. But at the end of my eighth grade year, public school, and then I had the privilege of going to summer camp, and it was at summer camp that I said, Lord, I'll do whatever, whenever, whenever, with whoever. And then toward the end of the summer, see, the public school was only supposed to be for one year. At the end of the summer, my dad came to me and said, son, we can't do it. Mom is sick and not working, and I'm working multiple jobs. We just can't do it. And in tears, I said, dad, you have to. What I experienced in eighth grade in public school, I knew it was only attractive in eighth grade. In ninth grade, I would have begun participating in things that would have destroyed my life. And I knew that because in seventh grade and before, I had a firm foundation from the Christian school. And I looked at my mom and dad, and I begged my dad. And so my dad went to my pastor. And he went to my pastor, and he said, we got to do something. And so I began to clean the church. As a ninth grader, I did it all the way through and just do random odd jobs, probably not very well. And I'd get my check and I'd sign it back over to the school and that helped pay the school bill. I thought it was enough to pay the school bill. When I turned my tassel, I opened up to see my diploma and there was a school bill in there. <laughs> and I'm like, really, mom? And really? I don't <laughs> I am what I am because of my dad, physically speaking. Tonight, we're going to quickly look at Genesis 22 and see an example of a father and even an example of a son. I only have one point tonight, but you have to wait to the end. Genesis 22, we're only going to go to verse 14. And my one point comes from another passage. If I tell you it now, you'll cheat, and you'll go there. So I'm going to wait. Here we go. Genesis 22. If you're taking notes, I do have a few things I'd invite you to jot down. Number one, we're going to see the investigator, excuse me, the in instigator in verse one. The instigator. Notice verse 1 of Genesis 22. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things, I need your help. You're going to say the next word. And it came to pass after these things that, okay, say it again. It came to pass after these things that, okay, so the instigator of this whole entire story is Almighty God. He is the one who started the story we're getting ready to embark upon. 
So notice verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that who that? God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. So point number one, all I want you to understand is that Almighty God started this story as he reached out to Abraham. Notice, secondly, as we go through our text, we're going to see the instructions and the instructions as they came from God to Abraham. Remember, our instigator of this story is Almighty God. Verse 2, the instructions. And he said, that's God, said to Abraham, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And so Almighty God, the instigator, gives the instructions to Abraham as we just read them in verse 2. Very, very clear instructions from Almighty God. Notice now verse 3, the initiative. The initiative, before we read verse 3 about the initiative, let's remind ourselves about the instructions we just read in verse 2. And he, that's Almighty God, said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him thy son, whom thou lovest, there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. The instructions were clear. So now notice the initiative of Abraham in verse 3. And Abraham rose up. What are those next four words? And Abraham rose up. Very good. Let's say it again. And Abraham rose up. Now look up here real quick. Notice the initiative of Abraham. The instructions were clear. Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, to a land I'll show you around Mount, Mor uh, Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him to me as a burnt offering. Very clear instruction. Dads, moms, what kind of night would you have had that night? I mean, just put yourself in his sandals. And just think, what kind of night? This is your son. This is your child. Your only child. But the Bible says the initiative of the man of God, he got up early in the morning. Seems like that would be a day that I would try to sleep in like till the next day, and say, oops, I missed the calendar. Here's a man of God who took initiative because he had instructions from his God. And we notice, notice again, verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. What great initiative. Another quick thought about the Christian school. I was a little boy and in our school and in our church we had what it's called Patch the Pirate Clubs. And when I was a little boy I learned a song called Initiative. That's the way. And I learned all about that song 
from Ron Hamilton, Pastor Parton. You pray for him. You pray for the Hamilton family. If you know Pastor Parton and all that, you pray for him. But I learned initiative's a big deal. If I'm going to obey and honor my parents, then I ought to have initiative and do things before I'm asked. And here's a man of God who didn't have to be reminded by God. Can you imagine in the morning, uh, Abraham, wake up, come on, we got to get to Mount Moriah. He didn't need that reminder. He heard from God once, and with great initiative, he woke up, he grabbed everything he needed, and he headed out to the place that God showed him. Notice verse 4, the intimidation. The intimidation. And verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Third day, just think, come on dads, moms, just think parents. Just think, you're, you're, you're getting up, you're saddling the ass, you're grabbing your son, you're grabbing a couple servants, you're grabbing food and things, and you travel day one. You set up camp for the night and you go to sleep. Isaac, by the way, is just going with dad to worship. And so they go to sleep that night and he wakes up day two and then day three and now toward the end of day three, the Bible says he looks up and he sees the place. Would that not be intimidating to you? You have clear instructions from Almighty God. And only you know the instructions. Only you know the reason why you are exactly where you are. Your son is there. Your servants are there. Your stuff is there. And you're looking up and you're thinking, that's the place. At some point, God who said, I'll show you, the Holy Spirit eventually showed him. And that's the place. Would that not be intimidating? Notice verse 5, the intuition. I like this verse. Notice verse 5, the intuition. And Abraham said unto his young man. So get the picture in your mind. Abraham just looked up. He saw the place afar off. He realized that's where God wants me to go. So he turns in verse 5 to his young man. And he says, abide Ye hear with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So he realizes from God, I'm in the right place. He understands that he's not going to have to travel anymore. So he looks at his servants and he says, guys, stay here. But notice what he says after he tells them to stay put. The Bible says in verse 5, abide ye here with the ass. I know you're familiar with the story, but stay with me. Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. That's exactly what God told him to do. Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him as a burnt offering to me. Abraham, go worship me in a specific place that I show you, and sacrifice your son to me. So he says in verse 5, and uh, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now I'm not trying to be funny, although I thoroughly enjoy being funny. But right now I'm trying to be serious. I'm doing a good job. Okay, and so he goes and he tells the servants, I'm going to go, we're going to worship, and we're going to come back. The instructions that were extremely clear were to offer, I know you know the story, but stay with me, were to offer your son as a burnt offering. I'm not trying to be funny. 
But when you burn something up, you, you just don't pick it back up in the same condition. And I'm not trying to be silly, I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm also trying to rightly divide the word of God and for us to understand what's actually happening here and what Abraham, the man of God, is saying. So how is he saying this? He had clear instructions to take his son and offer him as a burnt offering. And somehow with those instructions, he was able to tell the man, we're going to go obey God, and we are coming back. How did he do that? And we all know it's by faith. The Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Abraham here, with this intuition, his belief by faith, he says, we're going to go, we're going to worship, and we're going to come back. Notice verse 6, the incline. The incline. He was intimidated, probably still is. He had that intuition by faith, because I'm Father Abraham, and they're going to write a hit song about me. He had many sons. Yeah, yeah. He had that intuition. And he knew by faith, I've got a promise, and I'm standing on it. Since I brought up standing on the promises, my dad often says, Christians need to stop standing on the promises. Excuse me, let me fix that. Christians need to stop standing on the premises and start standing on the promises. And a lot of us, we come to church, but we really, as Brother Kerry Schmidt says, we are non-believing believers. Let it sink in. We have promises from God, and we don't necessarily stand on them, although we're on the premises. Abraham right here had a promise from God before this. Don't look at me like you don't know, because I don't have time to go there. But he had a promise from God that he was standing on by faith. Faith is made up of, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so he's standing on the promises. And so now they're on this incline. They were at the valley, the bottom of the mountain. Now they're heading up Mount Moriah. The Bible says in verse number 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. Now in verse 6, they are now making their ascent. They are going up the incline, up the mountain. If you're Isaac right now, this is normal. Me and dad. Hey, guys, I'll be back. Watch my stuff. Come on, dad, let's go. All right, son, let's go. And they begin to go up the incline with the wood and the fire and the knife and all these things. Now in verse 7, we see what I call the inquisitive. For all of us that have children, you're going to relate to this point easily. The inquisitive, inquiring minds want to know. And Isaac, verse 7, spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he, Abraham, said, Here am I, my son. And Isaac said, He said, Behold, the fire and the wood? But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I call this the inquisitive because children ask questions all the time. 
And often as fathers especially, we don't give them a proper answer. I said we. We as fathers blow it. We say dumb stuff like this. Don't worry about it. Isaac's not worried about it. He's just asking. Listen, though. He's asking this question. Oh, everybody's nervous. I'm fine. <laughs> Woo. Okay, be serious. <sighs> Sorry. I don't know what came over me. He's asking this question. <laughs> I should go up here. You guys are scared. I see it. In your... All right. He's asking this question. We have this, we have this, we have that, but we're missing this. He's asking this question because he understood what worship was. Come on. Isaac, the son, understood what God required for worship. Not the message tonight, but does your son, does your daughter, is your child right now enduring this or enjoying this? We're singing the songs, and I, I, I can't even finish one of them because he is so good to me. I know he's good to you. You guys are awesome. You, hold on. You guys look great. I didn't want to lie. But I know me. I know my problem. I know my 3 a.m. I know my 2 a.m. I know my hurts. I know my weaknesses. I know the sin that does so easily beset me. I know. And I know how much that hurts the heart of God. I know. And yet he still loves me. Why? At some point, Abraham taught his son how to worship. And don't just teach your children how to swing a bat. Don't just teach your child how to play chess. Don't even waste your time. Don't teach your... <laughs> if I don't laugh, I'll just weep up here. I'm a mess. Out of all the things we teach our children. Hey, by the way, even if you don't actively with your mouth teach your child, you're teaching your child. I know my dad didn't make this up, but he often says it's better to be caught than taught. I don't know how many times I walked into my parents' bedroom. It's kind of weird as a, as a youngest child, they kind of had a, just an open door policy. And if the door was locked, you couldn't go in. But otherwise, you just kind of opened the door, rarely knocked or anything. It's different. I opened the door, and many times my mom would be on her knees. I don't remember many times my mom saying, AJ, make sure you pray. I don't remember that. But I do remember many times walking in. Now, later when I got older, I found out she probably fell asleep most of the time. But, but the reality is, no, she was praying. Better be caught than taught. And so here's a son who's able to ask the right question. And a father that didn't say, don't worry about it. What a missed opportunity. So this boy who knew how to worship, who was very inquisitive in verse 7, he says, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? for a burnt offering. 
So the insight in verse 8, the insight in verse 8, remember we're only going to verse 14, and then I'm giving you our one point, which is in another location, we're doing great. In verse 8, the insight. So Isaac just asked this question, how can we worship the way God wants us to worship? Because that's the only way to worship, the way God wants us to worship. If we're going to worship, we ought to worship him in spirit and in truth. If that's what he wants to hear, then let's give him worship. And Isaac says, Dad, we're not worshiping unless we do it God's way. It's a very inquisitive, smart child. And so Abraham, instead of saying, don't worry about it, he says in verse 8, I call this the insight, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. The inquisitive boy was like, okay. And they just kept going up the incline. He was good. Abraham being a good example to us fathers didn't say don't worry about it or that's grown folk business or not. He said, let me answer you. Let me take this opportunity to teach you. Son, don't worry about it. God will provide himself because you said worship and it's for him. He's going to provide himself a lamb. Okay, dad. So they keep going up the incline. What a good father. Now we see verse 9, what I call the insanity. The insanity. But I want you to understand, this is insanity to everybody but to Abraham. Notice the insanity of verse 9. And they came to the place which, I need your help in verse 9. And they came to the place which, okay, who's the instigator? Okay, so none of this is Abraham's plan. Mom and dad, let me speak to you real quick. Christian school starting. It seems like enrollment is still open. He's like, don't say that. <laughs> Last night, tonight? No, Oprah. Listen, your plan for your children, let me say this with a smile, is trash. First of all, your plan is trash. It's not your plan. It should be his plan, listen, for his children that you are stewarding. They're not yours. Come on. These 12 or whatever's in here and the ones that are driving the teachers crazy over there, they're not mine. I'm stewarding them. That'll change the way you make your decisions. Instead of going, we just can't afford it, we just blah, 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 blah. Lord, what will thou have me to do? Lord, I'm asking you because you're the one who gave me these children. You instigated this problem, I mean blessing. And so since you gave me these children, what will thou have me to do? And God, who is not the author of confusion, I'm making you nervous again. God, who is not the author of confusion, will give you clear instructions to follow. Because they're not yours. They're his. And if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more? They're not yours. 
I got a call, plug your ears, girls. I got a call yesterday. I was on a, listen to this, I was on a date with my wife. Come on. Not, I'm not saying for me, I'm trying to get you men to step up. The ladies are like, amen, woo! I was on, and it was random. I wasn't feeling that well, so I said, I'm gonna take a walk. I wasn't feeling well, so I'm taking a walk. Because I wouldn't have taken a walk if I was feeling well. I wasn't thinking right, so I said, let me take a walk. Exercise, what? And so while I was exercising, I'm thinking, this isn't working. <laughs> what am I thinking? Let's eat. <laughs> so I call my wife, and I said, babe, it was a little bit late. I was taking a walk. I've been studying, doing some things. And I said, uh, have you eaten yet? And she says, no. And our love language is food, so it works out really well. And so I said, great. I'll be home in a few minutes for my walk. Jump in the cart. Let's go. And then we have some friends that live close by, and, and she said, it's pretty late. They probably ate, but it'd be kind of cool to have a double date, and we, we love this couple. They love us. So we called. They hadn't eaten yet either, and it happens to be their love language too. So we all went out, and on the way as we were driving, I got a phone call from a young man, and in so many words, he said, may I have permission to call your daughter? She's not my daughter, but I'm stewarding her. And so without thinking, listen, without thinking, because I've been praying since day one, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> See, did you make that decision then? I haven't. I didn't. It's already been made. There's certain things that need to happen. So he wanted to call, start calling, and get, and get to know her better. I said, no. Today I get a text. Hey, I was going to call you, but I'm at work. Real quick break. And I was just wondering, maybe I could text her. And I said, no. And I was nice. I said, no, sir. I said, but I promised you I would pray. And I will. I said, what's wrong with him? Nothing. She's not mine. And neither of them know which one I'm talking about. It's Sky. She's 10. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to take that commercial and remind you they're not yours. This opportunity that you have, this privilege, this ministry of a Christian school, they're not your children. And so I would highly encourage you to ask their creator where he would like his creation. And at least battle with it. Lord, what will thou have us to do? And so this man had great insight, but in verse 9 we see what I call the insanity. Again, it's the insanity to others, but not to Father Abraham, verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. Come on, see Isaac. Helping Abraham, here, Dad, here's some more sticks, here's some more stones. I got these, are these going to work? And, and Isaac's just serving his father. And Abraham's thinking, slow down, son. Slow down, son. I don't like this one. Give me another one. And they're building the altar. And laid the wood in order. He probably had a monk moment and took his time, and this size doesn't fit, and Bound Isaac, his son. Bound Isaac, his son. And laid him on the altar 
upon the wood. Often we don't think about the submission of a son to his father. There's all kind of pictures of, of the Lord in this, but of Jesus Christ and his father. But, but Isaac helped build the altar, and, and finally Isaac's thinking, God's going to provide himself a lamb, and he's working, and he's doing stuff, and they're all done, and he's like, where's the lamb? <laughs> and at some point, Dad had to have a diff difficult discussion with his son. And at some point, boys, um, if you're 18 or younger, and you're a male as created by God, that's good for California right there. Stand up. Come on, boys, quickly. Teenage boys and younger. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Listen now, listen. This young man, Isaac, listened to his father, and he trusted his father. Nowhere in here does it say they struggled. Nowhere in there. Bible says he bound him, he obviously picked him up, and he laid him on the altar. Quick commercial, I'm watching the time, we're doing great. Romans chapter 12 says this, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know the problem, young man, that you're going to face? is God is going to, hey, he loves you, he wants to use you, and he has a specific plan for your life. And when he reveals those clear instructions, we as men and you as young men, we, we, we as young men, we have an option to get off the altar. The Bible says that you present your body a living sacrifice. If we were to kill a deer and put a deer and, and light a fire under the deer and it, the deer's dead, the deer's not moving. And if he's dead and he moved, I would start moving, all right? But he's dead. But we, young men, teenagers, young men, when things get hot because we're surrendering to God's plan for our life and we want to honor God and when things get hot, we're not bound by the law we're living in grace, and we have a choice. And it's not based on your last name. It's not based on your pastor. It's not based on your church. It's your walk with your Father. Capital F, Father. Have a seat. Here's a man who allowed, here's a son who allowed his father to bind him and lay him there. That's absolute insanity to me. But not to someone who understands that this child is not my child. It may sound absolutely crazy to you when your son comes up to you and says, I feel the Lord is calling me to China. <laughs> well, that was too much pizza, son. He's not. They're not your children. So now in verse 10, quickly, the injustice, again, injustice in our opinion, but not in Abraham's. The Bible says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Come on, God, if God's a God of love, why would he? You ever hear that outdoor knocking? Ever hear that at work as you're sharing Christ with others? They think it's injustice. He does all things well. 
quickly verse 11. Verse 11 through 14, I call this the inkling. The inkling. He grabs a knife, the Bible says in verse 10. He stretched forth his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called on him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And as soon as he had an inkling of anything, whoo, there goes the knife. What did he say? What did he say in verse 11? Here am I. Whoa, I knew something was going to happen. Verse 12, and he said, lay not thine hand upon thy lad, no problem, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Can you imagine that moment? Not for Isaac, excuse me, not for Abraham, but for Isaac. I mean, we often think about Abraham, Abraham, but Isaac's like, can you untie me? Get that fire away from this altar. That moment of knowing I'm saved. So I call this the impossible, lastly. Verse 13 and 14. Lastly, the impossible. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Get out of here. That's impossible. How did that, come on, how did that get there? And Abraham went and took the ram, and Isaac's like, I knew we were going to get it. I know that's what's happening here. And they get it for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham worshipped. He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. You know what Abraham said? (laughs) This portion of land here on Mount Moriah, this is God will provide himself a lamb. And Isaac's going, all that was introduction. Don't worry. I need two minutes and we're done. Take your Bibles, turn to James 1.27. This is my one point. It is 7.57. You guys are awesome. Sister Monique is from our church. Don't take notes. Don't be acting like I'm going to be short on Sunday. Don't you do this to me. This is, this is tough for me. I did good. Monique's like, what? You're not preaching two hours? James chapter 1, verse 27. The number one problem in, in Los Angeles is fatherless homes. So what's the answer? James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. You want the answer? Here it is. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Now look up here real quick. The one point is coming. But here's what God said. Here's the bottom line. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is right here. I need you to visit the fatherless, and I need you to visit the widows. Now, I tell our church often, we are not a charity. We are a church. We love the homeless in our community. 
But I said, we're, it's not good enough for us to feed them, put socks on their feet, new clothes, etc., etc. That's what charities do. As a church, we do those things and we tell them about Jesus. So we put socks on feet to build a bridge to their heart to give them the gospel. So we're not just a charity, we're a church that ought to be known by our charity. So putting socks on their feet, loving a fatherless child, visiting the widows would be charitable, but not, if you will, churchable. I just made that up. I like it. So what is our responsibility? It's found at the end of the verse. Pastor, get ready to come. I'm landing my plane. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, here's the key, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Our responsibility, church, is to visit the fatherless and the widows. But don't just visit them. Teach them how to keep themselves. Keep themselves. Dad, wood, fire, knife? Where's the sacrifice? Oh, son, God will provide himself a lamb. Okay, Dad. Here, here, there's a spot that God told me. All right, Dad, what do you want me to do? Grab the sticks, grab, let's just build it all together. Get those stones. All right, we're all done. Dad, we still have no lamb. Yes, yeah, son, you're the sacrifice. This is what the Lord wants. That's what the Lord wants. Here am I, Dad. Bound him up and put him there and Jehovah Jireh. What do you think that did for Isaac? What do you think reaching out to the fatherless and the widows and teaching them to keep themselves unspotted from the world? What do you think the stories Isaac told when he became a grandfather? What do you think I hear when the roller coaster of church planning isn't going the way I think it should? This is what I hear from my father. I'll provide myself. I will build my church. You just don't quit. Church, never let up. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.